You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. We are starting a new sermon series here this morning. So you, I'm just so glad that you're here to embark on this journey. It's kind of a shorter series. It's a three-part series because at the end of this month, we have our Serve the Berg, which is going to be awesome. But this series is called The Code. Very, uh, doesn't it just make you, make you wonder a little bit, doesn't it? The simple key to a profound life. It's this whole concept of, I, I really believe, after, after sitting down and talking with a lot of people, when um, contemplating my own life and, and when I get into certain situations or ruts where I'm not living kind of as best as I should as a follower of Jesus, it really can be boiled down to something that's off in just a couple of areas. Um, they're big and kind of broad categories, but this month looks at those categories. There are three areas that really, if all in alignment and all pointed in the right direction, all in healthy uh, standing in our lives, these three components, then it really serves as a kind of code that we set ourselves up for success, real success in living the kinds of lives that we were designed to live by God and to make our biggest impact. And so it conveniently, and we didn't do this to be cutesy, it just kind of worked out this way. It follows the acronym of RCC. You're like, yeah, I knew it. RCC. How, Quick question. How many of you here are in education? Anyone here in education? You in the education field? There are acronyms, more acronyms in, in education. Maybe the healthcare industry might rival it a little bit, but acronyms in education, amen? Those of you who are in education, there is an acronym for everything, but this is an acronym, RCC. It serves as a type of code, and we talk about it often at Riverside. We revere God, connect with others, and contribute to the world around us. Revere, connect, contribute. I mean, I really just gave away the entire month. That's the code. That's the secret kind of a code. It's not so much a secret, but seriously, when I sit down and I talk with others, when I look at my own life, and when something is amiss, there's usually a problem with one of these three categories. Either I'm not revering God as I ought to, I'm not connecting to others as I should, or I'm being so selfish, I'm not really contributing to what God wants me to do outside of myself. So this morning, we're gonna be honing in, we're going a little bit out of order. We're gonna start with connecting. Connecting. It's a big concept within the realm of the kingdom of God and what God has designed for his followers is that they would be a connected people. And connection's a big deal. We were not designed to live life and to do this Christian thing or to even live as we should as human beings alone. We no, we were not designed to be like islands in the world. And we see that right from the beginning in Genesis chapter one, when God's creating the universe and God creates humankind. He looks at Adam, God, and he says, it is not good in Genesis 2.18 for the, for the man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone, that we were designed to connect with others. And this is an important concept because this is true. The strength or weakness of our godliness is often tied to who we are connected to. 
the strength or weakness of our godliness is largely tied to who we are connected to. A bird of a feather flock together, and if we're flocking in the wrong direction, then it can really take a toll on our lives and what God has in store for our lives. And so I want to kind of ask this question and have us ask this question of ourselves. Who am I connected to? Who am I connected to? A real question here this morning. Okay, and and here's my hope. I'm just going to kind of put it out there. I'm hoping that we would just leave this place a little inspired, that maybe this wouldn't be viewed as rocket science necessarily, but hopefully it will inspire us to really look at who we are connected to. And here's what I would love as a takeaway this morning, that literally a phone would be picked up or a text would be sent out or a calendar um, item would be marked or time would be carved out that a particular question would be asked in the realm of who we are connected to. That there would be some kind of action after this message that would say, you know what, I want to seek and look to and look for and connect with my community Or if there is no community in your life that you would say, you know, I kind of feel that I am alone and I love the idea of connection. My hope is that you would leave this place, if whether you have a strong connected community or you kind of do but don't or you just don't, that you would leave here inspired to say, I am going to go after that. I am going to go after connection. I am going to go after being connected, truly connected and rooted in a good set of community on a deeper level after this morning. That's my real hope because the currency of godly community is severely undervalued in our culture. The currency of godly community is severely undervalued in our culture. Now, I was a little cutesy about this particular point here because our culture meaning too. I think outside of what would be known as the church, those who call on Jesus as their savior, you see there's little C church. See, your vantage point this way, I think it is, isn't it? Little C Church is like Riverside Community Church. It's our corner of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We have our family, those who call on Jesus. And if you're here and you don't call on Jesus, please don't feel alienated or outside of that. The truth is, if you are here in this place, you're just part of the family. It's just, have you ever been in a house like that? It's like they just can't help themselves. You walk into their house and you're just part of the family. I love it. And that's what it's like when you're here. So don't feel alienated. But you have a little C Church, which is like Riverside Community Church. But then you have the big C Church, which is like represent of all of those who would call on Jesus as our Savior. And in our culture, outside of the church, both little C and big C, people look at godly community, and I think that it's undervalued, that it's not fully understood what God has in store for the community of God, the kind of connection that should exist there, the kind of drive that should exist there, the kind of presence that should exist there, the kind of support that should exist there. That's certainly true that the currency of godly community is undervalued within the culture 
outside of the church. But then I also believe it can be undervalued even from the culture of the church, which is crazy. And I think a part of that is because our culture has this individualistic, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of mentality where it's like, I don't need anyone. I can just do it on my own. That's true on one sense with culture and even church culture. But then there's also this problem, and I'm going to sound like a little bit older than I am here for a second, but stay with me. There's the problem of technology as well. Now, let me be clear. I love technology. In fact, I love like social media platforms. It's not a drain to me. I enjoy it. I have a very specific personal policy when it comes to social media. You know, there are certain things I just don't talk about, and there's a lot of things that I do, like my dog, a lot, uh, which is awesome. But here's the problem with technology. You know, we can get so invested in like a TV show, for instance, that looks at people's lives and it's actually designed to draw us into their lives that we actually feel like we're part of the family of these people who are watching on TV. That we're actually invested in a fictitious kind of world. This happens and it happens. And of course everyone says, I'm not really. But then like, you know, whoever dies on Grey's Anatomy and you're crying about it, you know, or that person gets voted off of Survivor and you're like, why? I liked them, you know, and we feel connected. But that person's never going to show up in your life when you need them. When a loved one dies, there's not going to be Jeff Probst or Derek Shepard standing next to the casket with you. And I know that sounds funny. Or when you have that job promotion, that person's not going to be there. And yet we feel like we can be a part of something when watching it. But in reality, we're just not. And so we're looking at this connection here this morning. And I'm sympathetic to those who don't really feel connected because it can be difficult to find the connection because you have your outer circle and you have your inner circle. And this morning, I really want to get at, like, get to a kind of people who are a part of your inner circle. These are the people who you share life with. Like, a lot of people in church, you're just in, we're in each other's outer circles. Like, maybe we're not, you know, spending tons of time together, but we do love each other. We do care for one another. But it's difficult to kind of build that inner circle and connect to an inner circle because it can't be forced. It has to be organic. It has to happen kind of naturally. We have to look and we have to take some risk. You know, it takes courage to build an inner circle and to connect. It takes risk. It takes courage because when you put yourself out there, you put yourself in a vulnerable position where you might be kind of rejected, but not even in a malicious way. Maybe someone has an inner circle already, and they want to be a part of your outer circle, but what you really need is an inner circle, but this person already has an inner circle. Are you with me? But they're just wanting to be in your outer circle, which is still great and loving and kind, and like that's what we're called to do. And so it can get difficult. Now, the problem is that there can be an inner circle without outer circles, and what you have are cliques, and cliques at the expense of the outer circle. Now, I'm actually not against cliques because the person who is against cliques, I really believe is against just really good friendship. Sometimes an inner circle will look like a clique. 
because you have to connect. You have to connect with an inner circle. But the thing is, you can't be so inner circle focused that you neglect the outer circle because then a click becomes unhealthy. But then sometimes people get into the outer circle only and never develop an inner circle. And then everything's just kind of shallow within your connections. And so here this morning, I want us to, to, to look at connection and to take some ownership of connection and to have some steely resolve as a people like, I am going after connection. I want to develop an inner circle. I want to be a part of a meaningful community. Because oftentimes, if we're going to be honest, when we have trouble building that inner circle, we feel victimized, don't we? I kind of want to just, I just want to kick that for a minute and say, let's not blame, don't blame, but begin. Don't blame, begin. Let's not be a victim of the connection circle situation, but let's begin something. Let's go after it. Let's be relentless. If you're an introvert, step out of it for this, because this is like that realm of scripture reading. Have you ever come across, you know, someone who's just like, and maybe this is you, so just, I'm going to be honest, okay? Can we just be honest this morning? It's already been a weird morning. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not a reader. You don't have an option. You've got to get into the word of God. All the readers said nothing. All the readers said, amen. (laughs) Similarly, with with community, I'm introverted. I can't go and help to, you know, build community. You don't have a choice. We need to live in connection with godly community. And I know it's going to be stretching. I know it's going to be difficult. I know it takes courage and it's going to be trying. You're going to figure it out. It's going to be awkward. You're going to get, but at the end of it all, if we can reach this connection, what it is designed to do within the Christian life, it will just blow your mind. And so this morning, what does a connected church look like? What does this actually look like? Because that's what we're after this morning. And on one hand, hopefully it will inspire us to go after it, to seek it out, to be relentless, to pursue it and value it within our own lives. But then on another hand, hopefully it will inspire us to be this kind of community in the circles in which we already run. Because the better friend you are for others and not just looking for what someone can do for you, the more that friendship will just kind of work out in your life. If we focus on being a strong, connected church to those around us, you will find that that inner circle will develop in a pretty powerful way. And so let's take a look at Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. Now, this is kind of an interesting passage to look at in this particular topic of connection, because if you turn to your scriptures, which I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it, because sometimes I like paraphrasing things, you know? It's like dramatic, the kinds of events that are recorded within the scriptures. And within this text of the Gospel of Luke, there's a man who is paralyzed, and Jesus has been given authority to heal. Jesus, fully God, fully man, walking on this earth some 2,000 years ago. People would flock and, and run to Jesus because this man, this God, had power and power to heal. And so here is a man who is paralyzed, and he is brought 
to the place where Jesus is teaching and where there are just multiple crowds around him. And so it is brought, this person is brought to Jesus and couldn't get to Jesus initially. And then so it was bizarre. He was dropped down through the roof, like lowered down through the roof. I mean, this would be bizarre. It's like we're here, we're hanging out here this morning together. We're at church and then just right here, right in the middle, everyone would be like, hmm, that's weird. How did they get through the metal? I don't know. <laughs> that's what we would think. It'd be just weird. And so you can kind of imagine the hush over the room as this man is dropped down into this place. Like, what is going on here? And then Jesus looks at this paralyzed man and he said, your sins are forgiven. And then the uptight religious people who we at church like to make fun of a lot, the Pharisees, even though sometimes we run into those same kinds of tendencies, hello, we looked at Jesus and said, hey, who are you that you, you, you know, can say to forgive sins? And I love Jesus because then Jesus is just like, what, what, what's easier for me to say that this man's sins are forgiven or to tell him to get up and walk? I have authority to do either. So how about I just say this? Get up and walk. And he gets up and walks, which is awesome. He picks up his mat and everyone's like, oh gosh, oh my goodness. This is unbelievable. They're praising God, praising Jesus over what has been done for this man who could not walk. And Jesus made it so he could walk. And I love the end of the text in verse 26, which is maybe one of the most like understated verses or like lacking something. Maybe, you know, the scripture's perfect and everything, but I mean, this is just kind of funny a little bit because the response to this act from the people after they are praising God was, we have seen remarkable things today. You know, like not even exclamation point, like just a period at the end of it. We have seen remarkable things today. It's just, okay, a little more remarkable than that. Guy's paralyzed. He comes down through the ceiling. You know, there's an altercation, and then he's still healed, like just amazing. And what an amazing event that's recorded in the Scriptures. And I kid you not, as I was pondering this text, I mean, this text just came to my mind in preparation for the sermon this morning. I was stopped dead in my tracks because I had always read this text in, in just amazement, talking about how, you know, salvation, the forgiving of sins is even more important than our physical dilemma. So many things to be gleaned and taken from the text. But I was thinking of this sermon. I was thinking of connection and what God wants for his community. And I just was thinking, hey, who brought him to Jesus? Someone had to carry him. And so I went back to this text. I looked it up and I went to this text and I came to this part of Luke, which kind of speaks of these men in Luke chapter five, verses 18 through 20, where this is what happened here. This person, this paralyzed person who got to this point of healing, he was connected to a really strong and good community. And he got to experience a healing from God. He could not get there on his own. It took a kind of community and a kind of connection to the community to get there. Some men 
came carrying this paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And I thought, wow, what a community that this paralyzed man had. He was connected to a really strong community who displayed some qualities that speaks of a connected church. Because these people were physically present with this man to take him to Jesus, to literally lift him up on his mat, to lower him down. There was a physical presence. There was a fact that they actually cared of this man's condition of paralysis, that there was an emotional kind of a support to this man, a care. And they knew that there was this Jesus who was fully God, fully man, who was able to heal. And so they were spiritually driven. And these are the components of a strong and connected church. This is what a connected church looks like. A connected church is physically present. When we look at Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47, when 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 the apostles are going out there preaching and Jesus is adding to the numbers of church daily, some 3,000 people getting saved, thousands of people getting saved at a time. And sometimes we walk into the church, it's like, oh, it's too big. The early church, it was like thousands of people, you know? And it's just awesome what God was doing. And when God was saving people, they would enter and connect with one another in such an amazing and deep way way where there was a physical presence among the people. Acts chapter 2, 44 through 47, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love the physical presence of this community. The fact that they are in each other's homes, that they're eating together, that they're not just coming together, although they are coming together at church, but it's outside of church. And it's not just like a calendar item. It seems that these people are really just living life together. And they're there. They are physically present in this community. They're connected. Do we have that in our lives? Are we seeking this? Because our calendars, our schedule, our culture doesn't lend itself to physical presence very easily. Life will always be busy. But we have to prioritize this physical presence, the coming together, of spending time together, of getting to this point where can you sit in your living room? This is going to sound really silly, but I'm telling you, it's so anti-cultural that it sounds strange, although this is like early church. Are we so ingrained and have a community? Are we connected to such a community that we could put on our PJs in our living room and have the family of God, our inner circle, 
with us in that room? Can you sit and just be together and maybe not even have a a list of things to discuss, but just be together and talk about life and share a cup of coffee and make a meal? And when you have that in your life, it is a treasure to behold. And everyone in here, I believe, is like, hopefully, maybe some of you are like, oh, it sounds terrible. <laughs> but like, can you imagine if you had that kind of community in your life, that you were connected in such a way where you can share life together, where you don't have to worry about being lonely? When you can get on the phone right away and just text some friends and say, hey, I just can't explain it right now. I just need to be with someone. I, can't, I just can't be alone right now. And then they just come because that's what we need. Physical presence is really a mighty thing. And this paralyzed man here in Luke chapter 15, he, he five, couldn't get, there was a five involved. Just give me some slack. Okay, guys. <laughs> this paralyzed man, he couldn't get to Jesus on his own. And so there were people who were physically present with him, helping him lifting him together in person, not just, you know, but together. A connected church is physically present. Are we living life with others? A connected church is emotionally supportive. In Galatians chapter six, verse two, this is what it says of the believers, a connected community, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of, of Christ. Here's a man who is in paralysis. He's paralyzed. What if no one cared? What if he wasn't connected to someone who cared? To a group of people who cared? Would he still be paralyzed? Would he not have reached a kind of healing? We know that he was connected to people who were emotionally supportive, who actually cared. That this person was not alone in the struggle. And when we're connected in a meaningful way, when we are emotionally supportive, we are not letting our circle be alone in the struggle because although we may not be physically paralyzed, life will take us to the mat. Life will get difficult. There will be just times that we can't explain why we're feeling, why we're, what we're feeling. There will be times where tragedy, the unexpected chaos of life will come. And I'll tell you, this is going to sound funny, but I don't mean it to sound funny. This Jeff Probst, that's the host of Survivor. Maybe there's not a lot of Survivor fans in here. I'm a Survivor fan. Derek Shepard, these these people on TV, they're not going to show up for you. They're fictitious characters playing a very particular role. But when we find ourselves on the mat of life and in the struggle, who's going to be there? We need the emotionally supportive inner circle, a connection to these people who will stand at your side that you are willing and you are committed to be there for your friends, your community, those who you are connected to when they need you most. To carry each other's burdens literally means to lift the weight off, to help lift the weight Life can get weighty, and it can get especially weighty when we are trying to carry it alone, which is why God said, I have a community that I want to make that I have created so that they can bear each other's burdens, 
So you don't have to lift all of that weight on your own. I'll never forget this instance here in this church. It was kind of an extraordinary instance that highlights this very specific situation where there was a family that was down and out. There was a man who was down and out. Life had really dealt some very difficult blows to him. His car failed. Within two phone calls, there was a car for him. Yours. My gosh, the power of the community that is connected. He was blown away. He was not alone. There was emotional support. However, it goes even beyond just the physical presence and emotional support because we can get to that place within just about any relationship, whether they're within the church or outside of the church, where there is the secret glue to this all, to a real authentic and strong, immovable kind of community, the kind of church, the kind of connection within the church that even the gates of hell will not overcome it, exists in a connected church being spiritually driven. A connected church is spiritually driven. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of of Christ. The community of God, a connected community, is really spiritually driven. And we're in it to be physically present and to be emotionally supportive. But first and foremost, we are to be spiritually driven, helping each other to mature in Christ. That we would be driven to God. That we would help point our community to God. Don't you forget the promises that God has made to you. Don't you forget that God is still in control. Don't you forget that God still has a plan. Don't you forget that God has never stopped loving you. That God died for you. When it comes to the issues that we face in our life. With our children. With our friendships. With our workplaces. Within our marriages. Are we just giving advice or are we giving eternal truth? Are we pointing to Jesus? or are we running to the masses because there was only one person in that room who could heal that man that day and his name was Jesus there was no one in that crowd who was going to heal this paralyzed man and so this good group and connected community knew I am taking him to Jesus period we have to take our community to Jesus a connected church is spiritually driven. I think it's significant that we can participate in this kind of community. You know, it doesn't have to be fairy tale this morning. Some live within this kind of community and it's like, man, I really need to be more physically present. I need to be more or more emotionally supportive or spiritually driven. And then there are others who are like, man, I've really kind of neglected. I've been maybe living as an island within my faith or within my life. God has something so much more in store than that. In Ephesians 5.25, it speaks of this example of how husbands ought to treat their wives. And 
It speaks of how Jesus died for the church. He died so that this community could be connected like this, that this kind of community could exist within the world. That people wouldn't have to go to life in the difficulty of life all on their own. Instead, Jesus died so that we could have that kind of community. Jesus died so the church could experience real and powerful connection. There is a lot at stake here. Our personal well-being, our world's well-being, each other's well-being, it all exists within this power of God existing through this kind of connected church, one that is physically present, one that is emotionally supportive, one that is spiritually driven. Jesus died so that we can experience not only a vertical connection, but a horizontal connection. And sometimes within our individualistic culture, we think we are content within just the vertical connection. When God said, no, 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 you need the horizontal connection. It is the multiple parts of the body working together that builds this kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. It is to your good and it is to the world's good. Jesus died for this kind of connection. And I want to invite the worship team to come back up here this morning because in light of this truth, that Jesus died so that we could experience a real and powerful connection, it's simple this morning. Connect. Connect. Let's be the kind of people who are so adamant about following through on this vision that God has for the church. That although it may not be easy, although we put ourselves in a vulnerable state, although it will be taxing on your time, on your emotions, on your things, on your stuff, on your finances, on your comfort, it's all to a greater end of this vision of what God has for the church. So let's connect. Let's not blame, but let's begin connecting in this way. Let's ask that person to hang out. It sounds so silly, but what if we carved out the time and said, no, no, I want you over. I want you to come over. (laughs) I want to make you dinner. I want to care for you. I I want to care about your life. I want to know what you're going through. How do we need to be brave leaving here, this place, that we can actually connect? Do we need to be more physically present, emotionally supportive, or spiritually driven? Let us do the very thing God has called us to do, connect, because that is a part of very secret, not so secret, code that will lead to the kind of life that God has designed for us all. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we don't have to live this life alone, that you are present, but that you have a family of people who call on the name of Jesus, who you want us to connect with. We thank you for that, God. What a good God. Help us to develop these kinds of impactful and powerful and meaningful relationships in our lives. Help us to not be so self-centered, but help us to care for one another, that we would be physically present, emotionally supportive, and spiritually driven so we could be the kind of church you have called us to be, that people would look at it, at us, in the way we care and love for one another, and that they would say as a result, there must be a God, and that they would be drawn to you as a result. Be with the person who is alone here in this place as they take a step of bravery in connecting with others, I pray that you would bring the right people into their lives, that it would be organic and not forced, that they would find their inner circle, 
that they could be kind, become the kind of Christ follower that you have called them to be and experience you as they give of themselves for others. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.